Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Gan Mayonnaise Killer Jedi Podcast. I am your host, the Artificial Dragon. I'm your co-host, Darceline. All right, and happy late 4th of July, everybody. It's probably going to be more than a week by the time this video comes out, um, because be- by the time this video gets recorded, I will be on vacation in Colorado for 4th of July weekend with relatives, so... I apologize for the massive gap between this episode and the Biff episode. Just uh, a lot of vacations have been coming along in my schedule recently. Nothing wrong with that. At least you're taking time off to go relax and everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, um, let me see. Yeah, as usual, happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy Happy, 4th. Yeah, happy 4th. Happy Independence Day. All of that fun American stuff and everything. In America! Fuck Fuck yeah! yeah. I remember watching that music video in high school. It was the most hype thing ever. And same with Bro Force too. <laughs> God, I haven't played that game in forever. Patriotic, good game. Yeah, it is. Patriot, rage-inducing, but a good game. Oh yeah, I think there's like a uh, second Bro Force coming out soon. No way. There is. Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, we need to try and play through that again. That would be fun. But uh, patriotism aside, uh, you know the drill. Um, so for this month, we have a new Patreon art piece, which includes, uh, <laughs> a imperialist turn freedom loving patriot of the Republic, uh, Alar, Alara Dorn. Yeah, I, this is, this is a pretty good, uh, art piece. Yeah, she's got, say. yeah, she's got her two personalities sticking out for everybody she's not my favorite companion but she, it is a good art piece yeah it is a very good art piece and as a companion character she's moi she's second only to uh darth lacris as the supreme waifu of sutor and everything she is a good medic she is a good medic and uh that british accent just <laughs> just kiss <laughs> that's why you love lacris too that yeah i have i i have a thing for british people it seems same here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, if you're interested in our Patreon art pieces, including a good old uh, freedom-loving Alara Dorn, then uh, you could contribute to our highest amount of $10. Um, but if you're not interested and, you know, the, uh, the uh, personalities liberating you from imperialism and everything, <laughs> um, you could contribute to any amount, the lowest being $2 and $5 and, of course, a $10 tier. And you'll have instant access to our Discord server where you could talk about general Star Wars lore, um, memes here and there, or just have a nice little discussion and give us some episode recommendations in the chat. Yeah, talk to us, get to know us. We're we're chill. We have a good vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a lot of fun, especially showing uh, everybody's Star Wars collection, sharing nice stories here and there. Mm, Definitely. Also, support my blog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Starve Celine's growing character blog over there. You haven't come up with a name for it yet, have you? Still have not come up with a name. If anybody wants to put suggestions, please give me suggestions. <laughs> yeah, but that aside, um, is there anything else I'm thinking about? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. But yeah, happy 4th of July, everybody. Patriotism all around and God bless America. God bless that. America. But yeah, speaking of patriotism, Hannah, you want to know what today's episode is going to be about? Corellia. Yeah, we will be talking about uh, arguably the renegades slash uh, independent boys of Star Wars, Corellia. This will be interesting. It will be very, very interesting. So what are your experiences with uh, Corellia or the Corellians in general? Well... I think everybody knows that in Swator, the end world for the stories, at least in chapter three for the class stories, yep. is Corellia. Because yep. there is a war breaking out on Corellia. Oh, yeah, there is. I mean, the Empire wants to take it, the Republic wants to defend it. I think, like, the entirety of one third of the Empire's strength is at Corellia or something. Yeah. they The, the Empire put a lot of uh, power into Corellia the, to fight the war. It, it depends on what side wins, <laughs> on what story you're playing. Which gives you a nice little perspective of how 
It's uber important Corellia is. It is very important. It is very important, which is why we will be diving the significance of why it's so super duper important in this episode. It makes me think it's like the Washington DC or New York of the the galaxy. I would imagine it's like the Washington DC or more like uh maybe London. Maybe. Whoa. It's it's very important. It is a super duper important. It's it's, of course, one of the core founders of a Galactic Republic and everything. Uh, alongside Coruscant, Odoran, Duros, you know, the, the core founders and everything. But yeah, um, so let's go ahead. Actually, before I get started, uh, Corellia actually makes a significant appearance, at least in the first opening part of, uh, of a solo movie. Of course. You know, because... I remember that. Yeah, because Han Solo comes from Corellia, which is super duper obvious. Um, but yeah, we'll get more into Corellians as a people and everything. Um, so let me give the basics out of the way first. Corellia is the capital of, well, the Corellia system within the Core Worlds region. A system that includes Salonia, Droll, Tarlis, and Talus. Um, collectively, these planets are called the Five Brothers. Since Corellia is the largest world and the closest to the star of Corelli, it is often called the Eldest Brother. Mm. Um, and it was, or simply, the Eldest. Very simple. Um, Corellia is around 11,000 kilometers across, compared to Earth's 12,756 kilometers. So it is... Decently close in size to Earth. Okay. Um, it has a day and night cycle of 25 hours, so an hour it's longer than Earth. an hour longer. Yeah. Um, an orbital period of 329 days, a little bit shorter than Earth. About 30-ish. Yeah, 30-ish days. And it has three moons, including Gus Talon and Gus Toretta. Um, Corellia has a temperate climate filled with varied environments such as rolling hills, dense forests, lush fields, vast seas, beaches, mountains, and crystal swamps. That sounds like a nice vacation spot. Pretty much. I mean, uh, I mean, if you're a non-Corellian, probably not, but it's a nice spot. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I will say this about a good amount of planets in the Star Wars galaxy, but this Corellia is a top contender for one of those worlds that is so super similar to Earth. Yeah, I can see why. Like it has, it has a shit ton of environments aside from just one bile uh, sphere and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, like we always have these planets that are predominantly. It's not like, it's not like Ryloth. Not like Ryloth, where it's just a fucking desert. A hellscape. <laughs> or fucking Hov, which is nothing but ice and snow everywhere. Or Tatooine. Or Tatooine. Or uh, Naboo, which is predominantly Swamp. swamps and everything. It's very diverse. Very diverse compared to every other planet in the galaxy. But anyway, um, though it was designated as an industrial world and is considered a highly developed planet with a population of 3 billion with 60% populated by by the native Corellians. Um, Interestingly enough, it is rumored that their snow-covered mountains held many deep underwater caverns, which held large orange lightsaber crystals. Hmm. So apparently that's like a uh, place that you could probably go to to get lightsaber crystals if Ilum is not not available. Legends are canon. Legends. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Um... So, Corellia has three large continents. Um, the capital is Coronet, located on the coast of a primary continent. Corvella is the tourist attraction city, the double city Tyrana, and the mountain helms of Doba Garfa and Bella Vestal. Hmm. You probably went to Coronet City in Swator. It's like the capital of Corellia. It's where the war broke out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Corellia had a unique wildlife. It's not... To, in depth as Tatooine or Naboo, for example, but it has its own distinct wildlife. Um, the first one would be the, the Corellian Banshee bird. I'll go ahead and send it to you in the chat. Yes, thank you for your input. <laughs> Mayonnaise droid. Um, hmm. But yeah, the, the Corellian Banshee bird is famous for its will. Which can be heard miles away, which 
is the moniker of its name, the Banshee Bird. Well, yeah. And it is used to flush out its prey from the safety of the undergrowth and just swoop them away. Yeah, like running. typical falcon. Yeah, a typical falcon, except it screams its fucking head off. Have you heard a falcon's cry? Eh. Yep. <laughs> I told you I saw two red-tailed hogs on my way to work today. Oh, right. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty cool looking bird. It is a pretty cool looking bird. And like other birds of prey, it could be trained and used by hunters... They are also popular pets for rich nobles, though the banshee bird is extremely claustrophobic and it is required to keep them in a large aviary. Well, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And then next is the Karelian sand panther. And a compare and it has two different portrayals from where what I can tell. Um the first one is basically this mountain lion looking fucker. That just looks like a panther or yeah. a puma. Yeah. Um, and the other appearance, I don't have a picture, unfortunately. It looks like a a uh, African lion if it took a huge dip in the swamps or something. Hmm. It's really weird looking, but the Karelian sand panther, also sometimes called the sand panther or the razor cat, is a large feline that possessed venomous claws, which are odorless and tasteless. Oh, while it is illegal to hunt the sand panther, many poachers would be tempted to find the large cat for both its prized fur and its rare venom. Hell, it's just like how here in Arizona it's illegal to hunt mountain lions. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, those sand panthers are usually found in deserts. They could also be sometimes found in other temperate environments and are known as the galaxy's quietest hunters, being able to approach prey within centimeters without detection. That's a kitty you don't want to fuck with. No, or, you know, fall asleep around because, like, no. oh! <laughs> That's a big kitty. It is a very big kitty. And it is said to be virtually impossible to tame. Aww. <laughs> virtually. It ends a completely impossible. <laughs> and then next is a little bit more gross um, is the Corellium limpet. It's basically this looking, weird looking parasite. Oh, there it is. Oh, what the fuck? Yep. Ooh. <laughs> so the Karelian limpet is a space-borne parasite commonly found around the space in the Karelia system. Um, they are commonly attracted to sp spilled fuel, but would generally feed on anything. However, on rare occasions, as you see in that picture, they can attach themselves to living beings and become permanently grafted to their bodies and everything. That doesn't sound nice. So yeah, that thing is on there permanently. You're never going to get that thing off of you unless you die. Oh god. <laughs> Jeez. And then um do I Oh yeah, um and then there's the Corellian slice hound, which is basically the the Corellian equivalent to uh you know, wolves and everything. What? Interesting. Yeah, um, essentially a Karelian allegory to uh, wolves, wild dogs, and everything. The only distinct distinction about it is that it has razor-sharp teeth and spikes all over its body. I was going to say, like, give a capybara spikes and sharp <laughs> teeth, and that's what you get with this. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, the rough and tumble of what it looks like. But uh, as with most uh, canine, canine creatures, they could be tamed as pets and everything. And in canon, there is the Corellian Hound, which I'll send in the other chat. I think this one actually appears in the Solo movie. Ugh. What the fuck <laughs> is that thing? Um, but yeah, um, while the wildlife, I mean, I, I, look, I briefly looked through my research. There's like a shit ton of aquatic life. I think there's like a, uh, a, uh, flightless bird on Corellia, um... Ultimately, though, that uh, even though um, I focus those on my previous episodes, I think the history of Corellia is far more important than anything else. Makes sense. Because it is so goddamn interesting. Um, so, of course, Corellia is known for its alcohol, uh, agricultural goods, import luxury items, raw materials, weapons, and more predominantly, its starship construction facilities. Doesn't... Sorry, See, doesn't Dooku, like, favor Corellian wine? Or yeah, I think or he does. Alderanian wine? I think it was either Alderan or Corellian, but I think he's a uh, culture of both of those types of wines. Of course, he's a bougie bitch. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's like this uh, famous picture where he has his wine glass. He just look. He has that signature look of superiority to him. One of my favorite pictures, by the way. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> he's just dripping with superiority. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, if it isn't obvious already, Corellia is most famous through its Starship manufacturer, which is called Corellian Engineering Corporation, or CEC for short. Yep. Um, it's the same manufacturer that created the uh, Millennium Falcon. And it's also one of the manufacturers you have to either go defend or go attack yep. in a side quest. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if a majority of, like, smuggling ships that you see in the Star Wars universe, like... Uh, like the, a, the smuggler ship itself looks like a version of the Millennium Falcon. Just a bigger... A little bit bigger. <laughs> it's got the same layout. It's got the hollow table. It's got the the curb the curved couch. Yeah, it fits a smuggler. That's a uh, classic uh, Corellian design. Like in Star Wars, there's different manufacturers like Corellian Engineering Corporation, Kuat Drive Yards, Rendili Strive Star Drives. Those are like the car manufacturers of Star Wars and everything. I I'm kind of debating. I think Corellia Engineering Corporation is like the Ford of Star Wars. Makes sense. Yeah, because... Sounds all, like a good comparison. Yeah, because all of their products are super duper reliable. Um, they last for a pretty good time. <laughs> yes. Not... Okay, my brother is a car person. Yeah. He's a truck guy. Most of the time, people say Ford is an acronym for found on the road dead. You know, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, like many smuggler characters, their ships are Corellian design. Like, uh, like the Ghost, the you know, the ship that uh, that the Hera pilots, that Hera pilots, that's Corellian. Oh, that's cool. And uh, as you mentioned I still before, need to watch Rebels. <laughs> and as you mentioned before, the uh, the ship that the smuggler class uses, that's a Corellian ship. The XS something. Excess something and the uh, the uh, In- insert yellow <laughs> the the Odoran blockade runner the very first ship that you see in New Hope and everything where it's running away from the Star Destroyer All that's right. Corellian okay so it is everywhere in Star Wars and it has been around for essentially since the beginning of the Republic's history oh wow so yeah it's it is a ancient starship manufacturer cool yeah. Um, the primary law enforcement force on Corellia is called the Corellian Security Forces, also known as Corsec for short. Heard of Corsec? Yeah. It, just to give you an idea, it's basically your classic police force on Corellia and everything. Like, uh, they have a secret agent, a- secret agent agency, uh, there's detectives, you know, that sort of thing. I think in the... I know that in the Trooper story, you have to work with a Corsac uh, agent, but I just think in the Republic storylines, you work with Corsac yeah. in defending Corellia. But there is one character that, depending on if you make the right choices, <laughs> either he loves you or he fucking hates you. Yeah. I, I think it was in my Trooper playthrough where I made you know the right choices for the good of the Republic and not the good of Corellia. Yeah. And he's like, I fucking hate you, basically, in a, in a, a mail after the mission. I'm like, well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and that's a common theme that you'll see with a lot of Corellians, is that they are more loyal to their home planet than for the good of a Republican. And everything. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, which is a nice little segue, because we'll be talking about the Corellians themselves. Um, obviously, the Corellians are the name of the human inhabitants of Corellia. Um, and they have many unique traits that make them stand out apart from normal baseline humans. I mean, there's no physical appearance or anything like that. I think there's, like, both Caucasian and uh, dark-skinned Corellians here and there. Um, but I think it's more of a culture than an actual, like... Uh, like what, race? Race than anything else. Sounds about right. Yeah. Just like how Coruscant, like, humans on Coruscant are called Coruscant. Yep, yep. Um, as such, they are, they have a distinct, uh, trait of being independent-minded, yet daring, pragmatic, and reckless. Sounds like Han Solo in yeah, a nutshell. Yeah, basically, all Corellians are basically Han Solo. That, that Obvi- tracks. That tracks. <laughs> Obviously, there's some differences here and there, but generally, 
imagine Han Solo, but as an entire people. <laughs> um, and given their long history of isolationism, individual Karelians are well known for being rebels that tend to rise up against any galactic government or seeking their own independence from the Galactic Republic and its successors multiple times. And same with the Galactic Empire. Yeah. They didn't want the Empire taking over. Pretty much, yeah. They're, they're justified against the Empire, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, there is even a saying that Corellians have rocket fuel for blood. Hmm. That's how hot-blooded they can be. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Just look at Han Solo. Yeah. Though despite their maverick-like attitude, there are many members of the core world that... Uh, okay, so they have some positive aspects. They are... The one thing that they value above everything else is loyalty. Yep. Um, like they value family ties uh, for their people, their homeworld, to a point that there is an ancient Karelian saying called, the bigger the galaxy, the sweeter the homecoming. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um... As an aspect of their culture that remains enduring was seen as odd for many sociologists due to the fact that Karelian society grew a large number of smugglers and pirates, yet still revered family loyalties. Hey. Yeah. Hey, uh, Don't hurt yourself. Fucking words. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. I can't think of what I was going to say. But yeah, um... Another interesting thing is that green held a great importance in Karelian society, as can be seen with their wedding gowns, which are all green. Um, the and Jedi, the, gr the green Jedi, yeah, and the green Jedi, and the corsac markings, which is distinctly green. Um, Karelians also held a very strong military tradition, um, as seen in both their corsac operatives and even galactic-level military organizations within the Republic military, Imperial Navy, etc., etc. For them, their highest military honor was the Corellian Blood Stripe, which I'll put in the chat real quickly. Um, only the most high-ranking and brave Corellians are allowed to wear this marking, which is usually like on their trousers and everything. I've heard it mentioned in the Republic stories. I yep. I think the trooper gets it, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Very interesting. But still, that's cool. Yeah. Um, all Corellians speak Galactic Basic as their primary language, though they do have their own language called Old Corellian, which is still retained by pirates and smugglers. Okay, so it's like a, a pirate language. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we'll eventually talk about language in its own episode, but I think... Bache is basically a trade language in Star Wars. Hmm. Like, uh, see, okay, uh, Uncle Owen and C. Freepio briefly talk about it in New Hope and everything. It's like how, um, when, th back in the Thrawn episode, when yeah. Thrawn meets those pirates. Yep. He's speaking to them in basically that language. Pretty much, yeah. See, watch the Thrawn episode. <laughs> it's so good. Um. If you want to hear me simple, uh, go right ahead. <laughs> And uh, I'll give you uh, names of a couple of notable Corellians that you might recognize. Um, there's the famous bounty hunter Dengar. Um, there's Gelia Pelion, which, if you recall, is the second in command of Fron, which Antilles is obvious is also a Corellian. Um, and Quora, the uh, love interest of Han Solo in the Kira. Soul movie, is also Corellian. Yeah, Kira. Which Antilles? Uh... The second guy is Pelion? Yeah, the guy with a mustache is Pelion. Okay. Yeah, he's uh he's basically Fraun's protege during his campaign and everything. I think Legends, right? Yep. Of course. Oh yeah, he uh, he he appears in canon as well. <laughs> and he's basically Fraun's liaison during uh the Mandalorian uh season three episodes. Now I need to watch God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so behind. <laughs> we are all behind, so don't worry about it. And obviously the most famous Corellian is Han Solo. Yes, of course. But who is, Kira yeah. is so fashionable. She, she is very fashionable. gorgeous. <laughs> she is very gorgeous. And she is also the leader of a uh, criminal cartel, so she's making her reign. She's a badass. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful and a badass. Yeah, you rem I think you remember that picture I sent you of her fighting Darth Vader, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I gotta catch up on her uh, comic series and everything. 
Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> in okay, let's go into the Karelia, Karelia's general history. And of course, I'm kind of sidelining the other native races like uh, the Salonians and the Drell. Um, the, yeah, the Salonians are a really interesting race. Yeah, they are. But good to mention them. Yeah, it, they're basically otter slash ferret people. Yeah, basically overgrown otters. Yeah, pretty much. They're cool. And the Drell are basically. What's a good comparison? I think like hamster people or maybe like prairie dog people. I was going to say like prairie dogs or gophers. Yeah, pretty much. Um, They're also kind of interesting. And they're fucking tiny. Yeah, they're like three feet tall. They come up to your knees on <laughs> in Swator because you interact with them. Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> I, I had no idea of a drill were in Swator. I yeah, only, they are. I, uh, I only knew that the Salonians were in Swator. They both are. Yeah. Okay, that's that's actually pretty neat. Um, Salonians are super duper interesting, as well as the drow, but we'll focus on them in their own episodes. Yep. But yeah. Um, add it onto the fucking list. Add it to the list. In the ancient past, it was theorized that Corellia itself was placed within its current orbital position by the ancient celestial device called Center Point Station. Mm-hmm. And its population of humans were taken from the world of Coruscant, because Coruscant is... Generally accepted to be the home world of the human race and everything. Corellia became a, one of many worlds enslaved by the Infinite Empire, with many Corellians having a hand in building the super weapon called the Starforged. Hmm. Um, after the Infinite Empire, you know, fucked off and everything, um, the Corellians spent the next 200 years reverse engineering the Rakatan hyperdrive and did innovative uses and breakthroughs creating the device called the Hyperspace Cannon. Hmm. So you know how, like, all ships in Star Wars have, like, a hyperdrive that lets them go into hyperspace? Yeah. Basically, those ships don't have hyperdrive, so they would have to go into, essentially, a rail gun and go into hyperspace that way? It's like, propel yourself into hyperspace through a fucking gun. Or a fucking slingshot. (laughs) (laughs) Just, okay, hang on. Pew! Pew! (laughs) Pretty much. Um... This a lot <laughs> as uh, <laughs> I know that's a very funny picture to think about. That's very funny. But despite this uh, very primitive take on the hyperdrive and everything, this allowed the Corellians to connect to other core worlds such as Coruscant and Duros. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, through further innovation from their newfound allies, the Corellians managed to create their own genuine hyperdrive and would go on to become one of the founders of a Galactic Republic. And I think Corellia is like the, uh, they, they, okay, so all Corellians, they're naturally like, they want to go out and explore the galaxy and everything. Mm-hmm. And I believe like a, a lot of uh, Republic travelers and navigators are Corellian. That's cool. Yeah, so... They just, I feel like all Corellians have that sense of adventure in them. Oh yeah, Absolutely. And eventually they want to go back home because, you know, they don't want to be homesick and everything. Yeah. Um, in their founding years, the Corellians would serve as the front line of innovation, having founded a Corellian Engineering Corporation. And there have even been rumors of a Jedi Order being founded on Corellia itself. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. Though, obviously, this is bogus because they were it founded. Is bogus. <laughs> they were founded on... Uh, Typhon. Well, yeah, or, Typhon, and then eventually that other planet I can't think of right now. Osis? Um, yeah, Osis, thank you. Um, though, it did have its own unique green Jedi traditions and yes. everything. Yeah, the green Jedi are particularly interesting, and they should have their own dedicated episode and everything. But they're um, pretty cool. They are pretty cool. I think they have, like, a... I wouldn't say currency. It's called the Jedi Credit, which is basically like a little... Uh, token that has the jedi symbol on it and everything that's cool it's basically like a uh, show of hmm, basically shows you hey i'm a jedi and everything yeah <laughs> like, why, why the fuck is that not included in canon no. that's such a cool concept it is such a cool concept and the green jedi obviously are just like their Corellian forefathers and tell everybody to fuck off and everything yes <laughs> they do not like the empire no they do not um let's see and then eventually, Corellia founded two important hyperspace lanes, one being the Corellia Run and the other being the Corellia Trade Run. Okay. Um, 
Each of these ensured its economic dominance within the Republic and would continue to be a member of good standing. Um, as it gained more wealth and influence, I imagine Corellia, just pausing real quickly, I imagine like Corellia um, is basically like the, uh, um, well, fuck, why am I not, f- okay, so, <laughs> words, <laughs> words, motherfucking words, uh, it's basically like the space version of the Phoenicians of the ancient world. Okay. Like, a, there we go, Carthage. You know oh, where Carthage is, right? Yeah. It's the ancient trade center of uh, the Phoenicians, the Punics, as the Romans like to call them. Nice. So I imagine Corellia is like the, uh, the Carthage of the Star Wars universe and everything. Because they are so rich in trading goods and, you know, starship technology and everything. I mean, there's got to be one for every society, you know? Yep. That's cool. That's a good comparison. But yeah, um, so getting back on track real quickly. Um, through gaining more wealth and influence, Corellia would expand its reach to neighboring space and colonizing many star systems, which co- collectively became the Corellian Sector. With many, with as many as twenty nine systems making up the sector. Wow. Um, including Duros itself. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, so it's got a lot of power and influence within the Galactic Republic and everything, which will come into play multiple times, as you'll soon find out. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> um, Corellia would maintain its reputation as possessing some of the best pilots and hyperspace explorers in the galaxy, and would become an early trade partner with the Wookiees when Kashyyyk became part of the Republic. So yeah, Han Solo and Chewbacca, that relationship is not new. It just, there, so there was always like a brotherhood kind of thing between Corellians yeah. and Wookiees. Yeah. That's cool. Like I think the smuggler has a Wookiee companion too. Yes, Baudar. <laughs> yeah, but Wookiee I didn't even gladiator. make that connection. Fuck. <laughs> now you need to give, or you need to add a Corellian NPC to the party. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Corellians are so fun and, you know, they're always rude to your face and everything. <laughs> <laughs> or they could be smooth charmers. Oh yeah, that is also true. Because I think Han Solo has uh <laughs> had he's a smooth talking motherfucker. He's a, he's a smooth talking motherfucker indeed. And so is Kira. Yeah, that is also very true. Um where was I? Okay. Um Corellia itself would become also become an important site of an important Republic Navy dry dogs during the Mandalorian Wars. Um while Corellia was often regarded as being ruled by a monarchy due to the presence of royal rulers throughout its history, said leaders would have varied state of affairs with gov- with uh, the government of Corellia. Because, as with most, uh, his- <laughs> as with most uh, governments, they tend to change every once in a while. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Hang on, didn't. Going back to, like, the royals thing, didn't people lose their shit over Han Solo having, like, a royal ancestor? Yep, I remember that, yeah. Yep, that just... <laughs> <laughs> He's part of a uh, House Solo, I believe. Hmm. But anyway, so we'll get into that a little Don't bit. Don't actually us in the comments, please. <laughs> um, Corellia has been everything from an anarchic uh, kleptocracy to a parliamentary democracy. It was King... Balafrun El Solo of House Solo that established a democratic government in 312 years before the Battle of Yavin, replacing the planet's absolute monarchy. Hmm. Though later in its history, Corellia would be home for many multi-stellar corporations, such as the Guavex Computers, the Corellia Mining Corporation, and obviously CEC. Um who all competed directly with other megacorporations like the Trade Federation and the Intergalactic Banking Clan. Over time, these corporations became very powerful and would overthrow the historical constitutional monarchy in favor of a government more amiable to unrestricted commerce. Okay. Um, which was called the Dictat. So, essentially, if you think about it, modern-day Corellia is basically the... Modern day United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Uh, but anyway, going away from government and politics real quickly. Um, though despite being one of the core founders of a republic, the Corellians are independent to a fault, as best exemplified through the first of many conflicts between Coruscant and Aliskan, 
where Corellia and its neighboring star systems, collectively called the Corellian Hegemony, which represented one quarter of a republic, refused to side with any in the conflict and choose neutrality, while still remaining a member of a republic. Hmm. Yeah, um, Corellian has this really weird uh, position where it could basically be a part of a republic, but not at the same time. It's kind of weird, which I will get to in a little bit. It sounds like a very complicated relationship. It's basically like the Switzerland of Star Wars. That's a good way to fucking describe it. (laughs) If only Mandalore could be that way. If only. Um, During that conflict, Corellia was granted a very specific clause within the Galactic Constitution, which is, you know, the founding documents of a republic and everything. Um, And I'm probably going to butcher this name. Um... And this clause was called Contepulous Hermony, which in ancient in old Corellian translated to meditative solitude. Hmm. Which essentially allowed Corellia and its home sector to close its borders in a state of neutrality while still remaining part of a republic. It's basically, hey, we'll still be a part of the republic, but no, you're not coming in. Yeah, pretty much. It doesn't qualify as secession, but more of a declaration of suspended diplomatic relations. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, um, this clause could be invoked by the Corellian delegation within the Senate at any time and would result in the delegation's withdrawal from Senate proceedings and as such would surrender its veto power for the duration. Um, when this clause is in effect, the Corellian sector would be inaccessible to all, except for those that live within the sector and those that aren't would need special permission from Corsac. Oh, wow. Yep. So it was like, they, they fucking closed everything. It's Pretty like, much. No, you're like, nope, you. you're not, you're not coming in here. This is a special boys club. You're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> like even traders weren't allowed in Corellia. Wow. Like, they essentially had to go to some other planet that's nearby, drop off their goods, so that the Corellian authorities could pick them up and go back to Corellia. God damn. Isolation as much? Yep, that's, yeah, it's a uh, very common theme of Corellia in general. Wow, very independent, but very isolationist. Yeah, very. Um, This also prevented the Republic from drafting Corellians or absorbing Corellian officers into their military during times of war. Yeah, they're they're the people that don't want to play along. Nope. Yeah, because in their mind, um, it's much more preferable to keep their native Corellians on their home soil instead of letting them die on some backwater planet in the middle of God knows where and everything. Yeah. Um, though ultimately, despite its questionable use, the clause was rarely used, with the exception of an independent faction within Corellia attempting to invoke the clause as an attempt to secede from the Republic. Hmm. Obviously, that did not work at all. (laughs) Obviously not. Uh, But eventually, fast forward to the modern day, i.e. the separatist crisis and everything. Mm -hmm. Um... So, Phantom Menace. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, let's see. During this crisis and the debate of the Military Creation Act, Corellia was very critical of the legislation, with its most vocal opponent being Corellia's own senator, um, probably the most badass name I've ever heard for a senator ever, Garm Bill Eblis. Okay. And uh, this okay. guy... He's a he's a very interesting dude. Um, he is the senator of Corellia and one of the founders of a rebel alliance later down the line. Yeah, don't worry, he's in the chat. Hmm. He's got a nice looking mustache. Almost, he is on par. His mustache is on par with Sam Elliott's. Yep. Ooh, I picture him with Sam Elliott's. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, Garmabel Iblis is a fascinating character. Like, uh, obviously, he's one of the founders of a Rebel Alliance. You actually get to see him in the the game Force Unleashed. Very briefly, granted, but he's there. That's um, cool. And, yeah, he butted heads with fellow founder uh, Mon Mothma 
because he's more of the extremist side. Like, like we gotta take military action and everything. And he basically told Mon Mothma to fuck off and created his own rebel alliance. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he's a very fascinating character. Just fuck you. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bringing in the long tradition of Karelians wanting to be independent and everything. Um, That's so yeah. Yeah. So uh, Garmbil Eblis, believing the course of creating an army of a republic was wrong. Um, he kind of had a more twisted opinion on on it, similar to Padme, but in a more extremist regard. Like, we need to defend ourselves, not depend on a larger army to defend us and everything. Yeah. Um, and as such, Garm invoked the, the Contemplus Hermony pulling out his delegation and isolating the Corellia sector from participating in the bill of a vote for the bill. While this move may have been interpreted as an act of secession from the Republic, um, Garm assured his colleagues that this wasn't taken for Corellia to join the Separatists as they're still part of the Republic. They're basically pulling the, screw you guys, I'm going home. Or the bender, I'll make my own casino with <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a better comparison, actually. Um, though, even though he had good intentions, a lot of people in the Galactic Senate saw it in a very different light. Well, yeah. With even, uh, so Palpatine, he was the most vocal opposer of his decision. Um, of course he was. And uh, secretly, Palpatine despised that clause because it basically allowed Corellia to not partake in anything. Fuck you, Palpatine. (laughs) Um, There are many other interesting opponents. Like, here's a quote, which I'll reveal of who is telling this quote later. This is an outrageous display of self-serving hypocrisy. Two years ago, Bill Eblis stood before the Senate, arguing about the legality of secession, and now he goes and pose a stunt like this? It's a grievous blow to unity. My worlds in the distant outer rim have stood by Coruscant through the most tumultuous of heat storms. That one so integral to the core should lack a spine is shameful. Said by Senator Ornfrey Ta of Ryloff. Motherfucker! <laughs> God. I don't know if I've talked about my disdain for Ornfrey Ta, oh, yeah, but yeah. I fucking hate him. <laughs> that spineless coward. I know, I find that so hilarious that he would say that sort of thing, despite, you know, the current state of affairs of Ryloff in comparison. I mean, look at your own planet, you <laughs> dumb motherfucker! I stand with the Republic. Yeah, but... You're still getting your people enslaved, you dumb, fat bastard. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's a hypocrite. Yep, he is. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's kind of an interesting outlook. Like, look at this member of a core world, the f- one of the core members of a republic, saying to, saying to everybody, fuck off, we're not going to participate in this. You got to... It would be like the equivalent of a uh, prominent member of Congress telling everybody to fuck off and leaving. Yes, but Ormfrey taught, but it coming from him. <laughs> it's like... What? <laughs> <laughs> Just insert the Picard. What the fuck is this shit? Oh, man. That fucking stroke you had over there was priceless. <laughs> it's just coming from him, of all people. Yeah. Fuck! <laughs> anyway, let's continue on. <laughs> Imagine um, if Kent was here. He'd be fucking having a stroke just like me. Pretty much, yeah. Um, Hello, Band-Aid's droid. Though one of the Clone Wars broke out, Corellia would support the Republic in the war effort and dispatched many task force from its sector fleet. So at least for a little bit, he, uh, Garm lifted the bill and everything to join in the, the war against the Separatists and everything. Okay, so, so he put his pride away for a minute. For a little bit, yeah. Um, fortunately, though, the planet was spared by any major offensive. Like, Well, it's the core world. <laughs> yeah. You're not um, going to attack the core worlds because otherwise you'll get fucked. The closest it ever got to being invaded was uh, when General Grievous led the famous offensive called Operation Dirge's Lance, which 
essentially is basically an operation to cut a, a line into the Republic Core worlds. And Duros was one of those planets that he invaded. Mm-hmm. And do keep in mind, Duros is basically one planet away from Corellia. Oh, shit. And the Corellians were like, oh my god! It's like, uh, the Separatists are on our doorstep, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> Fortunately, nothing happened, because I think uh, Grievous just fucked off when Dur- when he managed to conquer Duros and everything. Um, well, despite this lucky position, things would forever change with a declaration of a new order with Palpatine rendering Corellia's uh, Contiplius Hermi useless. When Garm Bill Eblis when is invited back into the Imperial Senate. Basically, Palpatine is like, hey, Garm, since the war is now over, you want to come over? Uh, yeah, sure. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Ah, this dumb motherfucker. Well, this, this is no longer the Republic anymore. Therefore, you can't call neutrality, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> of course Palpatine thought of that. Pretty much, because that was one of the first things he wanted to, you know, Make away with. It does show how much of a political genius he is. Pretty much. It just sucks that, you know, he's fucking evil alongside it. <laughs> it makes and, him a good villain, but also, fuck you. Yeah. Um. As a result of this, Corellia would come under heavy control by the Empire, who taxed the world in war material in homage to the Emperor himself. Yep. So basically the exact opposite of what the Corellians wanted. Yeah, that probably fucking pisses off Corellians even more. Oh. That their independence is being suppressed. That motherfucking Darth nutcase over there. <laughs> taxing us for our tea. Darth testicle. Darth testicle taxing us with their tea and everything. Give a fuck off my planet. But yeah, um, it even forced CEC to create several Star Destroyers and, star- and TIE Fighters for the Imperial War Machine. And the newly appointed Imperial governors of Corellia would turn a blind eye to many different criminal organizations that found opportunity on Corellia itself. And if, this is kind of a uh, key point for million, many Corellians to be look at all of this shit going on to their home planet and thinking to themselves, I, I'd much rather give a fuck out of here than become part of a gang and everything. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, if that's an important plot within the Solo movie, where Solo and his love interest were part Kira. of the... Kira. were basically servants in this criminal gang. And oh, they, right. They you, were, like, scrap runners or something. Pretty much. And then uh, Han Solo got the fuck out of Dodge and joined the Imperial military and everything. And left Kira. Yep. Unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah, that's when people are like, oh shit, they gave him a name! <laughs> like, oh, that's so dumb. Uh... Yeah, um, Garm Bill Eblis grew increasingly worried about his planet losing its identity and secretly created his own resistance movement. Of course he did. And obviously later would found the Rebel Alliance. Even with uh, the founding document of a Rebel Alliance being founded on one of Corellia's mountains. Oh, that's cool. It is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, the, the planet that is well-renowned for its isolationism and rebellious attitude, um, it hosted the founding of the the epitome of rebellion. That's cool. Yeah. Um, after the Battle of Endor, Corellia would become one of the founding member, members of a new republic. Though even then, Corellia proved to be a boiling point of multiple rebellions against the current ruling superpower in the galaxy. Such as the case with the individual by the name of Fracken Cell Solo, who turns out to be the cousin of Han Solo himself. Oh, shit. And I'll send a picture of him. Uh, oddly enough, does is it just me, or does he look like the older version of Harrison Ford? Uh, I don't... I kind of see Harrison Ford, but I don't really. Yeah. It's more like... I don't... I don't know. But yeah, um, point is, Fracken Sal's solo, um, he was the founder of his organization called the Human League, which was uh, basically an empire-based uh, resistance movement. Like, they were human-centric and everything. Like, fuck you, aliens. We need human supremacy and everything. Um, and 
Corellia itself would become one of the many worlds resisting the Galactic Alliance, which is basically the successor of the New Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be, and it would found under you know the uh, the the name of Fracken Sal Solo. They would find found their own government called the Confederation. So this is like a long time after. Uh... A New Hope. Yep, pretty much. Or, you know, like the last of the trilogy. Yeah, I think it was like uh, 20, 30 years after. Okay. This is right around the time where uh, Jason Solo, who is the, the Legends version of Kylo Ren, is uh, popping around and everything. Okay. He's the, he's the, the new baddie on the block and everything. He rules okay. the Galactic Alliance. Okay. Yeah. Um, Damn. <laughs> and then... Uh, this would create the, the second Galactic Civil War, um, which is a freeway battle between the Jason Solo's Alliance, uh, Luke Skywalker's Jedi Order, and this new Confederation, which was founded by Corellia and everything. Um, this war would come to an end when Jason Solo was killed and the Confederation surrendered, but refused to rejoin the Galactic Alliance and stay, instead stay neutral and independent. Um, like permanently, or it eventually rejoined the Galactic Alliance. But point is, uh, Corellia, for a brief time in its history, was basically what it always dreamed of being—an independent nation. Cool. And At least <laughs> one planet was able to achieve it. Yeah, for a brief moment. Also, I got to uh, share this funny picture of uh, Fracken Sal Solo being cornered by Boba Fett and his Mandalorians. <laughs> like I think this is legit him getting assassinated by the Mandalorians. He's like, "Whoa, let's calm down, there. We could talk about this." That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, it just you're surrounded by three Mandalorians. You're fucked. He's all like, "Calm down, calm down. We could talk about this." Um, but yeah, that is basically Corellia. What do you think? That was better than I thought. Yeah. I thought it was going to be really bland, but it wasn't. I'm surprised yet again. Yeah, um, Corellia, um, Corellia is essentially one of those third parties. If it isn't the Mandalorians, it's most likely Corellia that's bumping around and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, Corellia is a, at one, uh, on one side, extremely important to the Galactic Republic and everything. Being one of its core founders and, you know being responsible for spreading its influence throughout the galaxy with its uh, innovations and hyperdrives and everything. But on the other end, it has this maverick, rebellious attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, as you could obviously see with a lot of their uh, ships being smuggler and criminal elements and everything. Yeah, it's like re- rebellion is always going to be a thing, and it's a cool way for that to work into Star Wars. It is always going to be a very prominent thing. Um... Yeah, the Corellians are very fascinating. Um, a lot of their characters are really cool. Obviously, Han Solo being the likable rogue that he is and everything. Oh, yeah. Um, which Antilles, who's... Uh, he's not dived into much in the movies, obviously, but he's got a very interesting story in the, uh, the, the novels and everything. Which is, He's the leader of Rogue Squadron, by the way. Yeah, he's. I think he makes a, like a small appearance in... The last movie, right? Yeah, The Rise of Skywalker, where he's, I believe, a gunner of a Millennium Falcon and everything. Cool. And uh, Dingar, being one of those prominent bounty hunters, he actually, in Legends anyway, Dingar was the guy who saved Boba Fett from the Sarlacc pit. Oh, shit. And uh, That's a good way to earn brownie points with Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. He, he's kind of a Chad, and the reason why he has that... Uh, I forget what it's called. The turban, thank you. Uh, Was because he was blown in the face so hard that he needed to cover it up and everything. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I remember that off the top of my head. And of course, Gilead Pelion is also a very fascinating character. Like, he's been a Republic officer. Uh, He actually had interactions with Ahsoka and Rex at one point. I think he was mentioned in the Clone Wars. Yep. Or at least he showed up somewhere. I don't think in the TV show, but I definitely know there's like a uh, novel series where he encounters Ahsoka and he makes a little comment on her fashion, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, a lot of people have a take to say on Ahsoka's fashion. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course, being the right-hand man of Thrawn himself, which is... Badass in and of itself. Yeah, pretty badass within itself. It takes a lot to earn his respect. Yeah, and he eventually actually becomes the leader of the Imperial Remnant. Yeah, because, you know, Thrawn died. Yeah, he's... Yeah, Gilead Pelion is kind of a chad, and I would love to dive into his episode in one of these days. Mark it on the list. Mark it on the list. Um, and then finally, Kira. Yeah, Kira. Um, she's, I mean, she is fascinating in her own regard as a, uh, a uh, what was, I wouldn't say apprentice, but I guess protege of Maul and everything. Kind of. It's like she's an extension of him through his criminal empire. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. She's still... Uh, she's a bit of a damsel in, damsel in distress, but if you look at the comics, she's badass. She is pretty badass, yeah. In the movie, she's kind of eh, but in the comics, badass. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, Corellians, they know, have a long line of very fascinating characters that I oh, would, yeah. that, if I'm going to be completely honest, each one of them need their own episode. Han Solo, you know, being the obvious example. This would be a good opportunity to make a poll. Yeah. Which Corellian what character? What character do you want us to cover? What would get more votes? In the, in my personal opinion, I would love to dive into Garmbel Eblis's character. He is such a fascinating character. That does sound interesting. Um, he is actually one of the few people that uh that uh the New Republic actually reaches out to in you know the threat against Fron because I think he has some experience in fighting Fron and everything. Okay. So, yeah, he's like a Fronz opposite, aside from, like, Akbar and everything. And that's another topic that we need to cover, <laughs> is Admiral Akbar. Hello, <laughs> Akbar. Yeah, we'll have to dive into the Moncala one of these days. Yes. But anyway, before I ramble on, uh, you have any favorites of yours, Hannah? Um, the wildlife was very interesting. Oh, yeah. Even though it's it, it not was, as It was very diverse. small, yeah. but it was still cool. You know, you wouldn't think that Corellia would have wildlife since all you mainly see is city. Oh yeah, it's like a sixty uh, percent <laughs> of it is industrial cities and everything, but it has a good touch of untouched wildlife and everything. Yeah, I think that's cool though. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I think my personal favorite is the uh, Corellian uh, sand panther. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the kitty you don't want to mess with. Oh, absolutely. If if it's not going to uh, sneak up on you and pounce on you centimeters away from your face, its its venom will definitely kill you. Yep. <laughs> I think uh, I think it could be the sand panther or another cat uh, species from Corellia, but in legends. Um, there was a uh, a uh, cat species that actually killed uh, Pre Vizsla's predecessor of uh, the Death Watch and everything. Oh, interesting. I believe his name was uh, uh, God damn it, uh, Taz Vizsla. Okay. Um, basically, a uh, long story short, Django Fed was having this epic duel with uh, this Vizsla guy, mm -hmm. and they go to Corellia, um, and uh, the Vizsla guy poisoned Django, and he's all like. I'll let the poison take care of you. And he's like, then I'll let the panther take care of you. And the panther pounces on him and kills oh, his ass. <laughs> God, that's... <laughs> that's cool. It is so fucking cool. Corellia is so awesome. Yeah. I would... Aside from Naboo, I wouldn't mind going to Corellia if I was in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it sounds very nice. It is very nice. But yeah, um, that's all I have to pull out of my ass right now. Um, <laughs> um, hey, but, we're still an hour in. So. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, um, that's our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, how many layers do Corellians have? Like ogres. Yeah, pretty much. Ogres have layers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the nostalgia. That oh, was good. It was so good. Um, but yeah, um, I'm pretty sure you know what our next episode is going to be about, Hannah. We're going to be talking about the Galactic Senate. Yeah, of course. The, uh, the epitome of politics and corruption in the Star Wars galaxy. I mean, people have been wanting to see more politics, so yeah. this is great. But uh, it's going to be an undertaking. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> it's not that, uh, ex exploring the Galactic Senate is particularly long. It's just mm, big words. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to do my fucking best to explain <laughs> it all. I'm going to... I'm, I'm just gonna... happy for more politics, because I like talking about Star Wars politics. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to have to uh, do a deep... <laughs> give a political mindset for this sort of thing. Because, yep. oh boy, there are... Uh, terms and definitions I do not understand from my puny hu- <laughs> little human brain up here. We shall try our best. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode on Corellia uh, and its people. Um, I definitely had a lot of fun talking about the Corellians and Corellia and everything. But yeah, um, I'll probably do a poll later of which Corellian character we should dive into next in the future. And, uh, yeah, make sure to leave your, uh, likes, uh, comment down below, all the fun stuff for YouTube and everything. But anyway, um, before I daddle on any more, um, this is the way, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you. May the... (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) Bye-bye! Nope.